You're listening to Anime Magic Cast, a podcast produced by the creative minds behind the Anime Magic Convention. We've produced this podcast to give you a peek into our world, so let's make some magic together. Welcome to our fourth episode of Anime Magic Cast, everybody. Anime Magic Cast will be a series where we discuss some of the planning processes behind the scenes of Anime Magic, what it takes to put in an event of this magnitude, introduce some of our special guests, and of course, an opportunity for you, the listener, to get to know our board of directors better. Welcome to the episode, everybody. My name is Richard Nash. I am the president of Anime Magic. My name is Sarah Hahn, and I am vice president. I am Jonathan Santiago. I am the director of technology. And normally you would hear Whitney Newton with us, who's our director of logistics, but she's not here tonight. However, instead, we have a very special guest with us. I would love to introduce Pocky Thief. Pocky, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, so my name is Pocky Thief. I also go by Alex. Uh, I am a Instagram cosplayer. I craft and sew in my spare time. I'd say some of my, some of my most notable costumes would be my Mina Ashido, Toga Himiko, and Bakugo's mom from My Hero Academia. Nice. Um, so you're one of our special cosplay guests this year. You also were with us last year. Uh, how long have you been cosplaying? So I've been cosplaying since 2010. It'll be 10 years uh, this May. It's like my cosplay anniversary. Wow, it's a long time. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and how did you get into cosplay? What got you started into it? So I started cosplaying back in middle school when I had a group of friends who were trying to get me to go to this cool new fancy event that happened to be an anime convention. So when they were telling me to go to this event, they're like, oh, we all should cosplay as our favorite characters. So that ended up being my first experience cosplaying, and I've just kind of stuck with me ever since. Nice. That's super fun. Um, do you have, like, a favorite anime? I always ask all of our guests that. I'm always so curious. <laughs> so my favorite anime is Boku no Hero Academia. That one's hands down my favorite. Nice. You had an answer for much, much more quickly than other people. That yeah, we yeah. Or even oh, really? any of us. That that question usually makes people sweat. Yeah, it Because they, they really? watch so much of it that it just makes them anxious when you ask them that question. So that was awesome. Yeah, was like yeah they usually can't pick just one. Oh, don't get me wrong. I have so many that I like. <laughs> but like yeah. that one is hands down my favorite. Yeah. Very cool. That's that's cool you have such a distinct favorite, though, because like what John said, we'll even interview people mm-hmm. for different things. And that's like the hardest question of the interview. Really? You know, not even like, why are you the best for this position, right? Yeah. Or something. It's just like. I can't, they can't think of their favorite anime. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, that's really cool. Uh, you know, in your personal life of cosplay, do you share that with your coworkers and family, uh, people you know? How does that kind of work for you? So I, my family is a big part of my, my cosplay life. I don't necessarily share it as much with my coworkers because I tend to, I like to keep my work life and my personal life separate. There are some coworkers that I do share my cosplay adventures with, but It's not like I'm spreading it around to the entire department that I'm with. I don't like to (laughs) share that with them. But my family is 100% here for my cosplay, and I share them everything. Um, My dad actually helps me a lot with my costumes. He showed me how to use power tools and stuff like that. Oh, that's super cool. So, yeah, they're a big part of my cosplay life. Wow, that's really nice. I, you know, growing up, I've been into anime myself a long time, and I've cosplayed a little bit off and on, but more Mm -hmm. when I was younger. And my mom was always the same way, like super yeah. supportive. She would kind of teach me how to do this or mm-hmm. do that. So that's really cool. It's nice to have like a good support yes. system. Yeah. 
what do you think is, you know, kind of piggybacking off of that? What is the hardest part of cosplaying for you, do you think? I think the hardest part about cosplaying is, uh, maybe as of lately, is like physically like crafting. Because a lot of my time since I, since I post most of my cosplays on Instagram, for to be like an, an Instagram cosplayer, you have to post new content daily. Like every day has yeah. to be some kind of like fresh cosplay. So I'm cosplaying at least once or twice a week. And so that's very difficult. But in the like trying to mix in like crafting too, like I have to mix that like few and far between. I don't necessarily have all the time in the world to spend crafting when I'm also trying to create content. <laughs> so finding a good balance between actually making costumes and physically cosplaying and posting on the internet is quite a struggle, but it's fun. <laughs> what do you think are some of the most essential things that you need to take with you when you are cosplaying at a convention? I've always been curious about, <laughs> you know, serious cosplayers and what they have maybe in like their emergency kit. So when I travel to a convention, um, especially uh, I'll break it down into like two parts. So if I'm like going to a convention for an entire weekend, I have like four suitcases. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> All of my friends roast me because they're like, Pocky, you take too much luggage. I'm like, it's not enough. Don't. That's Don't just judge me, me taking a vacation for a weekend. Yes. <laughs> I am also a heavy packer. I yeah. completely like, understand. Yeah. I need a suitcase just for my shoes. I need another bin for armor. I need all, like, I need everything. So, but if I'm going to a convention just for, like, a day, some of the things I carry in my bag is I'll have a tripod with me. I'll have, uh, depending on the size of it, I'll have, like, some kind of light source, like a selfie light or something like that. Um, I have all my makeup. Uh, what else do I have? Emergency sewing kit, duct tape. And I think that's generally about it. I I always carry duct tape, but you never know when you're gonna need yeah. it. Yeah, duct tape, yeah. <laughs> duct tape is I mean. like <laughs> cure for all. Mm -hmm. So does it take you like two days to pack your stuff and like <laughs> yeah. double check and triple check yes. to make sure you have everything? Yes, I I spend the week packing. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I like to say I spend the week packing, but really it's just the day before I spend ten hours packing. Yeah, I'm not even joking. It's <laughs> ten hours because I make full elaborate spreadsheets before, like a week before the convention. Wow. Yeah, because it's generally I bring like maybe five costumes at the most so I list everything down all the wigs all the makeup all of the accessories because I can't tell you how many times I've been to a convention and I forgot crucial parts of my costume so I don't want to uh I don't want to forget any of that because I've done that one too many times so I take packing very seriously it's kind of an interesting thing to to hear you kind of break down a uh, part of your routine preparing for an event because there are a lot of people who don't cosplay that enjoy um, cosplaying and enjoy, um, you know, the, the sort of culture that comes with cosplaying that don't understand how much work, besides yeah. actually yeah. crafting the costume, goes into making appearances when you're going to all these events, mm -hmm. you know? Kind of an uh, insight, you know, a little bit of a, a peek into that world. Cool. What do you think the hardest cosplay that you've ever made is? Uh, I'd say the hardest one to date that I've made is, uh, well, for me, like, the what hardest generally means is because I can look at a cost and be like oh that's easy but for like for it to be the hardest one it generally translates into how much time I've spent and how much time I have to put into it because yeah. if I put my mind to it I could make pretty much anything like I've made a six foot tall coffin I've made a oh, huge wow. tail <laughs> yeah so I've made some crazy stuff but for me the hardest one lately just because it took so much time was my unbreakable Kirishima outfit from my academia because it was a full suit of armor that took forever. It took more than six months. I spent hours cutting out slivers of craft foam. <laughs> the funny story about that one, though, is that all that outfit was like a backup to the original outfit I wanted to do. 
because when I wanted to cosplay Kirishima, I wanted to do his hero outfit. Mm. And I didn't, I was trying to make a buff suit that looked realistic because <laughs> I really wanted to cosplay Kirishima. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I can't make this buff suit realistic. So what am I going to do? I'm going to make his unbreakable version. That should be easier. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it took forever. <laughs> I delayed the convention. I delayed the convention appearance for it until, because I originally was going to debut it at ASIN 2018, but I ended mm. up finally debuting it at Yomacon 2018. It just was <laughs> not ready by ASIN. That, that costume is amazing, by the way. Thank you. I remember you sending, when we were talking last year about your guest appearance, mm-hmm. and you sent me the photo for it, and I was just like, holy shit, you yeah. know? <laughs> I was like, damn, you know, that's, it, was, it was so cool. Mm-hmm. So Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think I showed you guys, too. I At least yeah. I know I showed Sarah. I can't remember if I showed John, but I remember you know, showing them and just being like, look at, you know, how much time must have gone into yeah. this, you know? That's, that's my yeah. favorite costume to date. You did have that on display, too. I did. In the I brought yeah. part of it. Area, didn't you? That's very cool. What did you make the bulk of the material out of? It's all out of uh, craft foam, majority. That's amazing. So for the bodysuit itself, so there's an underlayer of spandex that just so I can at least put it on and take it off. Yeah. And then on top of the spandex, there's like upholstery couch foam to give it the muscles and stuff, and then on top of that, there is craft foam that I cut into slivers to cover the entire suit. There's some EVA foam mixed into there just to give it some extra bulk, but that the majority of it's just made out of craft foam. That's so amazing. I cleared out every like Michaels and Hobby Lobby in the area, rated <laughs> all of them of all their craft foam That's and amazing. spray paint. <laughs> is it miserably hot because it looks warm? Oh, it's that costume is hot <laughs> and painful. <laughs> like, <Aww>. So <laughs> clearly, since this is a podcast, I can't like show you guys but i generally when i wear this costume i have to stand out and kind of like a half t pose the entire mm-hmm. day because yeah. just of how like because kirishima's gears sit right underneath my arms so my arms are perpetually stuck out yeah. all day yeah. i was sore the entire convention after i wow. wore that for the Goodness. first time i mean yeah. the pain for cosplay but it was worth it <laughs> you know that's that's one of the things that you all have to deal with when you spend the entire weekend in cosplay is the the misery that follows uh, yeah. being yes. in gear all weekend so painful but it was so worth it very cool how do you how do you get started into making such an elaborate costume like like how do you start from scratch and learn how to do something like that elaborate so i I know that's kind of a vague question but i guess yeah for the example of we'll use my unbreakable kirishima as an example since that one was very ambitious i started off with like well I need to have some kind of under I need to have some kind of internal structure before I can build off of it. So then I'm like, yeah. well, maybe I can make some kind of flesh colored bodysuit, stick some foam on it and try and go from there. At yeah. least for the bodysuit portion. The rest of it was just um I kind of took inspiration from making armor cuz that's essentially what it is. It's just elaborate skin colored armor, which is very odd to say. <laughs> but um a lot of the same principles apply for with making fitted armor, especially for the har- arms and the hands and part of the legs. So I think really doing the time and research and thinking of out ways like outside of the box for how to apply uh, different techniques that you can use really helps at least get you started with making crazy costumes, like breaking it down into parts. Yeah, that makes sense. I would think that you would almost have to break it down into yeah. parts mm-hmm. <laughs> to do something that, that elaborate, mm-hmm. you know. What are some of the best things you've learned about yourself since you started cosplaying? Some of the best things I've learned is that, well, I wasn't expecting myself to be as decent of a crafter as I am. <laughs> I mean, granted, I worked a long way to get to where I was at, but I, you know, I, well, for the most part, I'm self-taught. 
especially with working into props and stuff. No one taught me how to do that. I had some, my grandma taught me how to sew a little bit. But aside from that, like, just the ability that, like, I know I can at least give myself the time and I know I can push through and make what I want to make and cosplay what I want to do because I'm at least motivated to get that done. So I guess motivation. I'm motivated for cosplay. That's really cool. What advice would you have for new, new cosplayers that are starting out? So my biggest advice would be uh, to do plenty of research if you want to go into crafting, especially because there's a lot that's involved in there. Um, yeah, spend the time researching and do your own research. Just don't ask the first immediate cosplayer you see how they made their entire outfit because that's not going to get you anywhere, <laughs> unfortunately. Do you get that a lot? I do get that sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't have, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but I don't have hours to type out yeah. how I made my entire costume. Like, I'd love to help everyone I can, but that's just not feasible. So making sure uh, you do your own research. And if you're really stuck, then ask someone else. Another uh, piece of advice I would give is don't be afraid to fail and make mistakes when you're crafting or doing makeup because, yeah, it's expensive if you fail, especially for crafting. Yeah. But um, that's how you learn, which kind of ties into the next thing I want to do is practice. You don't get better unless you don't, if you don't practice. So I, I always say practice makes perfect. I've had so many costumes that I've had to scrap midway through because I wasn't happy with how it was turning out or something just, just was not working. So definitely practice and don't be afraid to fail and make mistakes because the whole hobby is about having fun. You'll get to where you want to eventually, but you just got to give yourself the time. So here, here's a, uh, a dreaded question as well. Um, <laughs> subs or dubs? Oh, uh, <laughs> See, everybody yeah. always hesitates. <laughs> so like, oh, why'd you ask me that? So I generally prefer subs. Um, with your occasion of, I do enjoy dubs sometimes. I will say the Boku no Hero Academia dub is actually pretty good. People can fight me on that. I actually, that, that's, that's the one that I do think is the most acceptable out of a lot of dubs. Um, I will indulge in dubs when I'm trying to work on something because I, I don't have to pay attention and read subtitles of if yeah. I'm listening to them and I can still be moderately productive. <laughs> because with subs, you have to dedicate all of your time to reading subtitles. Yes. Otherwise, you, don't, you have no yeah. clue what's going on. You hear a lot of cosplayers complain that, that they watch dubs as opposed to, uh, you know, subs just because they're constantly looking at whatever they're making and they can't hear the show if they can't read it. Right. right. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, you'll hear a lot of people say that as mm -hmm. well, too. So totally, totally acceptable yeah. to watch, you know, or listen to either. So as of this recording, you have 131,000 followers yes. on Instagram. It seems like you focus on Instagram. What brought you to that platform? And I guess, why, why Instagram? So originally, I was posting on Facebook and then a little bit on Tumblr. But I was mostly just posting my cosplay photos on a Facebook like page. But at the time when I was getting into like posting more photos, the Facebook algorithm kind of tanked where they just essentially they just wanted you to pay to advertise <laughs> and to share your photos. I'm like, I'm not about paying. I'm like, I'm a young kid. I can't pay to yeah. advertise my photos on Facebook. Excuse yeah. me. So I ended up uh, how it happened was is I was going to post my photo shoot photos on Facebook and then on Instagram, I was going to post all my selfies. But then it turned out I was getting more traction on my Instagram yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can, I can just post everything here. It doesn't have to be just selfies. So I start posting there. And then, yeah, I just, I like that platform better because it's more, it's easier to view photos. It's easier to share photos. And I don't know, I just, I really like the platform a lot more. 
Yeah, I, I also noticed uh, when we were looking at your stuff this year again, it looks like you started a YouTube, right? Yes. Yeah, so what do you think of YouTube as a platform? Um, I, from like a viewer's perspective, I love watching YouTube videos. That's like the only way I consume yeah. content. But um, as a creator's aspect, I'm very, very <laughs> new. I only have one video as of right now. I'm trying to do more, but it's I know it's a lot of work to make YouTube videos. So. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, but it's a cool platform. Mm -hmm. You can also learn. And I guess, like you said, you don't have hours to write down how you made a cosplay, yes. but you can help people in that way. Yes. Yeah. And maybe in a five minute video, yes. you know, that kind of thing, even though it takes you five hours to make the video. Yes. <laughs> and I have so. tried making like yeah. videos, video tutorials. But uh, for for me, I'll start rec a recording process for like a cosplay tutorial and then I'll start maybe like months in advance and then it becomes the week before the con and I don't have time <laughs> yeah. to set up a camera. Yeah. <laughs> so like I have a bunch of footage from half finished costumes. I mean, I finished the costumes, but just half finished footage. So I'm yeah. like, oh no, <laughs> I need to change this. But It's I kind of an interesting time to be a, a content creator for whatever platform you're using, right? Because it mm -hmm. used to be, you know, even three or four years ago, everybody had three to five platforms they were focusing on and you had the time to devote to all, to all of those. But the way things have changed now, it almost kind of feels like you have to pick a platform and just put your back into that one thing because it's becoming so hard to, to build numbers and followings. and it, it, Or it requires so much work. In the case of something like YouTube, if you start, it's it's like a slow grind, right? Because yeah. there's so much work yeah. that has to go into it. You know, do you find that that's, that's the case you know, for you? That's Yeah, that's especially the case for Instagram because I think I briefly mentioned it, is that I'm... I'm getting into cosplay at least once or twice a week. Yeah. And then when I'm in cosplay, I'm shooting at least four or five different things. And this is every week. So the grind is very, it's it's a lot of hard work, especially yeah. to ha constantly create content. Even for Instagram, I know people don't think that like, oh, it's just Instagram. You're just posting photos. And I'm like, there's a lot of work oh, that goes into it. There's a lot that it. goes into that. Yeah, yeah, I have to post daily. I have to post, I upload on my stories daily, or at least I try. And then it's just a lot of work. And I don't personally mind it, but it's... I can only pick one. Like, well, people don't think about the behind-the-scenes stuff, yes. which is like, not only are you dressing up with, you know, the cosplay, the makeup, which that in and of itself takes a long time. Yes. But you also have the lighting, the posing, the yes. setups. You know, then you got to edit the photos. Mm -hmm. Then you have to do. It, I mean, it it does. It's a huge process. Mm -hmm. You know. Um. So yeah, people don't think about it, but yeah, even something like Instagram, where you, you just you're scrolling by, somebody might scroll by and look at your photo for two seconds. It mm -hmm. took you you know, half a day to produce that, you yes. know. So. Especially, too, with, uh, you see a lot of cosplayers, and I know that I've seen some of your work where there is a heavy focus on makeup, right? And it's yeah. one yes. thing to get into cosplay. It's another thing if you're wearing something that takes sometimes hours of makeup to yeah. put on in addition to getting dressed into the cosplay. So people, yes. it's just all these little details that get lost, I think, in translation to people who literally don't understand the way it works. Right. Mm -hmm. you know? That's probably a good segue, too, you know, makeup is a pretty big part of your look mm -hmm. and you have a really amazing, you know, uh, talent with it. Thank is there you. anything you could share with anybody listening is how to, you know, get not mimic you, but get better at it mm -hmm. themselves? Like, how did you learn? So I learned um, at first I was watching uh, at watching YouTube videos. Then I was getting kind of the general idea yeah. of how to at least put on makeup. And then a lot of my friends had very unique makeup style. So I wasn't trying to mimic them, but yeah. I would see them do their makeup. And I'm like, oh, I kind of like what they're doing. Maybe I can put my own spin out of it. So that's kind of how that started, is I would um, find reference photos of cosplayers' makeup who I liked. And then I'd see what they would do. And then I'd be like, well, how can I do this myself? 
yeah. that's kind of how it started. And I've kind of developed my own look over the years because I'll occasionally go back and see my old cosplay <laughs> photos and I'm like, makeup, what is going on there? Like <laughs> <laughs> that's like any creative or artistic yeah. process, yeah. Though, right? Like true. that means you're making progress. Yes. If you look yeah. at anybody who ever creates anything in an art form goes back and looks at it and goes, ugh. You uh, two or three years later, <laughs> right? Yeah, yes. you do. You always cringe. <laughs> that's but me. that's a good thing. You kind of come to a point where you embrace that because you realize that you've grown. Yes. Right? It's a good yeah. thing. It's awesome. Absolutely. It's a cool feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, I have a whole bunch of you know songs that I used to make or drum stuff, you know, patterns that I used to play. And I go back from when I used to be, you know, learning and playing. And I, and I go back and I watch those videos or listen to those recordings. And I'm like, what? was i doing <laughs> delete yeah i'm just delete. like this, this can never see <laughs> the light of day you know documentation of this that's right, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. so. can you share with us what your next cosplay will be ideally it's going to be a gender-bent version of katsuki bakugo from my hero academia he is my favorite character from that show and i've been just dying to cosplay him but put my own spin on it we'll we'll see when i get that done i have no idea I generally like whenever anyone asks me that question, I'm like, honestly, I can't even tell you because I change my mind every single day. Like <laughs> one day I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. Just kidding. I'm going to do something else and I'll have to start costumes. But then I'll I won't pick it up for like months later. So we'll see. And I also plan on cosplaying Modred from Fate for elaborate armor costume because I've been dying to do so another cool. huge armor build. Yeah. We'll see how that one goes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any uh, specific cosplays planned for Anime Magic yet? Or is that still under wraps? <laughs> I'm trying to have Mordred, the one I just said, done. I was going to have, my goal is to have that done in May. But oh, um, nice. if it's not done in May, I'm going to hopefully still have that done in time for Anime Magic. Because I'd love to wear that there. Because I like wearing big armor costumes. Yeah. They're incredibly painful and a tol like totally difficult to make, depending on the outfit. But it's just so much fun wearing a huge yeah. piece of foam that you just really are dying to wear. I don't know. Very it's cool. Fun. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So we talked a lot about your presence on social media during the segment. Can you tell everybody where they can find you and what platforms you usually operate on? So everyone can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at Pocky Thief. I'm all on those. Feel free to message me, say hi, comment, like, whatever. It makes you feel good. Awesome. Well, Pocky, thank you so much for coming out and doing the show with us. Uh, we really look forward to having you out at the event. And for everybody at home listening, you can come out and visit Pocky Thief at Anime Magic August 28th through 30th at the Hyatt Regency in Schaumburg, Illinois. For our second topic of discussion, we're going to be talking about roadshows. Roadshows were something that we really wanted to do in 2019, but we simply weren't able to. So we're very excited to get on the road with Anime Magic in 2020. Most recently, we went to the Chicago Steampunk Exposition, OhioCon, Anime Milwaukee, and Anime Crossroads. And upcoming roadshows that we will be participating in uh, will be CarthageCon at Carthage College on April 4th. And then after that, we will be at Consonity on April 25th. That is also in Milwaukee. It's another college convention. Then we'll be at Anime Central from May 14th to 17th. And last but not least, we will be at KitsuneCon from July 17th to 19th. And there may be some more announcements that come down the pipeline, but for right now, that's what we have planned as of this recording. So come check us out at any of those roadshows along the way. Uh, Richard, you mentioned the Anime Crossroads. That was just this past weekend as of the recording yes. of the show. And Sarah and I had an opportunity to go and participate in the roadshow for that event. It was a really good time. Sarah did, like, super person levels of uh, extreme standing for yeah. hours at a time uh, with no help. Um, 
You got there. You got there on Friday night, wasn't it? It was, yes, Friday night. Yeah. How, <laughs> and so normally we send a handful of people down to do the road show so that everybody has break and relief, and um, no nobody could could get out there on Friday evening, but Sarah. So Sarah went out there and did three fourths of that road show all by herself yeah. that weekend. How long did you stand on Saturday with uh, no help? It was I got there. 11 hours straight, no <laughs> bathroom breaks, wow. um, just because I could not leave. Since I didn't have anyone else at the table, I could not leave the table since we did have merchandise and our equipment there. Um, but yeah, and then also, you know, these roadshows are really different from uh, roadshow to roadshow. So uh, some places are able to keep our tables in areas where they can lock it up at night, kind of like the vendor hall. Mm-hmm. So you just need to set up on Friday and then break down on Sunday. Um, and for anime crossroads, since we were in an open area, we did have to set up and break down each day. So I think that was, um, that was just an added challenge, just being on my own for most of the weekend, but I'm so glad that you were able to come out and help me. I skid (laughs) down there like a bat out of hell. And from where I live, it's like, it's about a four and a half hour drive to get to Indianapolis from where I'm at. And I just tried my, my hardest to get there as quick as I could. And when I came sliding in, you still had like... (laughs) 100% 100% like energy left in you. You may not have felt like it, but I got there and you were like, all right, here's what we're doing. This is the thing. We're working on this and we're going to, I was just like, okay, where do I stand? And then we, we got moving on it. It's cool. It's really neat to do these road shows though, because we get to, I mean, we, you, if you're, a, it's so different attending uh, a convention as opposed to working at or, yeah. or kind of doing behind the scenes related things. And you know, so many of us have been to so many of these shows as attendees or guests in previous years. So getting to go to a lot of these names that we we know we're here from the region often gives us a super unique, I think, kind of perspective into, you know, what our peers in, in the convention circuit are doing and, um, you know, how their attendees react to the things that they do. It's been a really fun time. I had a great time at, at Anime Crossroads. It was really neat. Yeah, me too. And I think it was really fun, too, to talk to people who have not heard of Anime Magic before and are not familiar with Anime Magic. And it was just... It was just really fun to to explain the kinds of programming that we offer and have people just be super excited, like their eyes light up and they're they're just saying, yeah. "Wow, you have that!" Like you have the Japanese Culture Center come out and you actually do like Japanese culture programming. You have a five k what? Like you have um, you know LARPing with the convention foam fighting, yeah. like a car show. I mean, people yeah. were very very excited to hear some of these things that um, I think is a little bit unique to Anime Magic. Yeah, I recently myself was able to go to Anime Milwaukee for that roadshow um, that was right before Anime Crossroads, the weekend before, actually. And I think one of my favorite things is when we talk to people, I had so many people come up and they went, Atasha Car Show, oh my God, you know, like they, they haven't seen that anywhere else type of thing. And, um, you know, that being that that's one of the things that I'm super into myself, I, you know, I felt like I was really able to connect with people, you know, at the convention, which is always a really good feeling when you're, you know, trying to put your event out there and, you know, get people interested in what you're doing. So I had had one particular thing that made me laugh, though, when we were in, in Indianapolis. It's just far enough away into uh, Indiana that we had to do the classic like Midwest like it's a joke right on the Internet in Midwest where 
Everyone's like, where's your convention at? And we were like, Schaumburg, Illinois. And they would just stare at you. <laughs> so you have to go, Chicago. Yeah, and they're, they're like, like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Where everybody Chicago, says if Chicago. they live in the sh- in the suburbs of Chicago that they, that they technically live in Chicago, quote, yeah. unquote. So we ended up kind of having to do that a little bit because half the people, or we actually did have a bunch of people that were like, oh, yeah, I know right where that's at. Yeah, or I used yeah. to live in, um, you know, the Chicagoland region. I think we had one person even said, oh, I, I live in Lake Zurich right now. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, I know. Yeah. So it was kind of funny because we actually found that there were people that were traveling from the region out here out to Indianapolis to go enjoy their convention too. So it was kind of neat, you know, how what a what a traveling family of people <laughs> yeah. everyone is in the Midwest when it comes to the convention circuit. I noticed too you do you say traveling family, you end up seeing similar faces too. I remember at Enemy Milwaukee, we saw Pocky Thief who was just on, you know, the first segment. Um she came up and said, Hey, and that was nice and we saw Marm, who was, you know, on the last episode of Anime Magic Cast. And um, I saw a lot of friends that I've kind of known over the years come up, uh, you know, to the table and whatnot. Yeah, we saw people, too, from a convention foam fighting over at, yep. at both Milwaukee mm-hmm. and at Crossroads. Yeah. Yeah, it was always nice to see Bruce and his crew of fighters. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a lot of things, I guess, on a social scale where you realize that uh, the, the more ingrained you become in a social circle, the more s- the, you even if it seems huge and it's spread out over states, you realize what a condensed community of people it yeah. is that's traveling around between these shows. It's kind of interesting. To even watch the that. vendors, like the vendors and the, yeah. the, the artists, too. I saw a lot of a the lot same of folks. Yeah. And um, even started, you know, we're starting to befriend them as well, mm-hmm. just because we're just seeing the same faces all the time. Um, uh, even the same volunteers uh, from convention to convention as well. Uh, there was a few volunteers that I saw um, at several of the conventions. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, you know, if you all want to come out and, and participate in catching us at the road shows, we would love to, to say hi to anybody that uh, is thinking about coming to Anime Magic this year. Or anybody that came out last year, feel free to come up. And tell us what you thought of the event. Give us some feedback. We're always looking for suggestions and uh, information about how you guys enjoyed the show. And play our game and win some free uh, pokey. That's <laughs> that's right. That's right. Tell 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 the pokey story. Tell 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 uh, tell everybody the since you mentioned pokey why we say pokey. <laughs> I'll, I'll let Sarah tell this one because she she's kind of the. The catalyst. Because to that. right now, before we even tell that story, I guarantee you at least half of the people listening right now are going, What the hell is a pokey? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll, I'll, I'll let Sarah take that one. So I work a second job at a Japanese discount store, and my colleague is Japanese. So um, I was saying something, I think I heard someone, overheard someone say pokey instead of pocky. And I, w- I made some comment like, Oh, they must not know how to pronounce it. And he was. <laughs> He was telling me, oh, no, Sarah, do you not realize that pokey is the correct pronunciation? And I, <laughs> I was just like, no, I have gone, what is it, today, today years old, um, <laughs> when I learned that it is pronounced pokey. I had no idea. So, of course, I came back and shared that with our board. The board, like, we pretty much half and half call it pokey and pocky, like, interchangeably. And when we talked to people, we we did actually at the road shows. Yes, an anime crossroads. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> refer to it as pokey, and, and what was it, John? You said they would just stare. They at just stare at you <laughs> like you have two heads right. because they're like, well, they were thinking the same thing you were saying, which is like, oh, uh, uh, these village <laughs> idiots <laughs> don't know how to say pocky, you know. And so we we actually stopped saying it because yes. the joke that I made earlier before we were recording was, I think this is the GIF GIF argument, right? <laughs> like, right. like yeah. it may actually be called pokey. But you can't call it that because nobody no. is going to call it yeah. that. Right. Even if it is, I mean, like the creator of the the GIF mm-hmm. says GIF. 
I'm not calling it a gif. <laughs> so I, I think we all agree that while it may be called pokey, it's pocky. It's pocky. Right? It looks okay. like it's okay. pocky. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So definitely come down to any of the road shows we're doing. We have this little table game that we play where you can win pokey. <laughs> um, I think you mean you know, pocky. If you participate. Yes, that's right. Pokey, pocky. You say, you say pokey, pokey, I pokey, say pokey, pocky. Pokey, 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 pokey. That's right. Um, so yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be, we have this little game. Right? We, we have games with prizes. Um, everyone's a winner. So please do stop by. So def- definitely come down to the, the road shows and hang out with us. One of the things that we think is unique about the stage that we're at as a relatively new convention is that you get to come down to these road shows and interact with the actual directors of the event, the people that are building your programming, give your opinion or tell us what you think or tell us what you'd like to see at the show. So, um, you know, uh, presumably, hopefully one day we'll be big enough that that we'll have a million things to do and maybe we won't be able to be there, but we'll always try to be there. So come out and visit us. Come hang with us and uh, tell us what you think. So for our third segment on this episode, we're going to be discussing some of the feedback that you guys gave us. Um, And just so everybody knows, these recommendations that you provide to us to improve uh, are always anonymous. So with that said, I will start and we'll go ahead and talk about one that deals with security. Um, so this this person wrote that it would be really cool if you guys had private security. Uh, we kept getting hassled by cops for no reason. Two of them uh, rolled up to us asking if we had seen a Mexican person and they felt that this created an unsafe environment for uh, certain types of attendees. And toward the end here says that I get that it would be expensive to hire your own security, um, but they didn't really prefer to deal with uh, suburban uh, police officers. So the way that I would address this first and foremost is to let this person know that we actually did have private security even in our first year. Uh, Our team was pretty small, um, and we're actually expanding it quite a bit for year two. Um, But I'm very, very proud of the fact that our convention actually uh, not only do we have private security, but we have a very uh, trained private security. So the people that work on our security team uh, underneath our director, Steve, are only current or former law enforcement, uh, military, you know, paramedic, that kind of thing. So they're very, very highly trained. That's what they do or did as a career. So we, we, we only work with people like that on our security teams. And it's because we take security extremely seriously. Uh, We really want to create a safe environment for everybody attending, um, as well as our staff and our, uh, you know, hotel staff that, you know, is working for the weekend. So um, we we take that very seriously. And hopefully that'll make you feel a little bit better if you're listening out there uh, that, you know, we we do have that in place. And, um, you know, I apologize if you didn't see them in the first year. Uh, They were running around dealing with lots of (laughs) you know, different incidences that popped up throughout the weekend, uh, keeping everybody safe and sound and, uh, you know, addressing the uh, part of the message that um, some police officers from Schaumburg uh, came in and started uh, asking some people if they had seen a Hispanic male. Uh, That part is true. We we had an incident with uh, a, a man who was Hispanic and, you know, we were trying to keep everybody safe. So the police officers were simply asking people that were in the area, you know, had they seen this man so that they could help identify the problem. Um, so, you know, there was nothing personal, uh, you know, about it. It was simply, you know, the, the officers doing their job and collaborating with our uh, security team. One of the things that we've set out to do with this convention is to make every part of it that you can, we can touch on better for everybody. Um, like we said in the first episode, 
almost everybody that works on our board has either been a guest at conventions or years lifelong attendees yeah. at conventions. So we really do put a lot of thought into what we can improve and what we can make better. And where security is concerned, you know, one of the things that we've seen out there in the wild when we're when we're uh, before we ever put this event on is that if it's a privately funded out-of-pocket event, sometimes corners get cut because, you know, the, the, the pockets are not always a bottomless well for people right. depending on the size of the event, right? Security is one of those things you cannot cut corners on, right? Correct. And a yeah. lot of times that ends up happening just by proxy of the fact that, and again, this is, this is not a criticism of anybody around us particularly. It's just an observation as somebody who used to attend a lot of events privately. I think security falls by the wayside the intentions are good, right? Yeah. But I think it falls by the wayside because uh, a lot of people have, you know, big burly buddies at their disposal that yeah. to <laughs> toss a security shirt on. We're trying to make sure we go a step farther than that, you know. And, and slowly over time, like everything else we do at the event, our security is going to improve because we want to make sure that everybody that participates, like Richard said, is qualified to be there to do their job and to protect everybody at the event. Absolutely. And not only do they do this professionally, you know, like I said, they're either currently doing it or retired. Um, but they're they're actually certified, you know. So a lot of them are not only certified in all the, you know, fields that they're in, whether that's medical, you know, paramedic stuff, whether that's uh, police, you know, depends whatever job they had, right? Military. Um, but a lot of them are actually certified security guards with the state of Illinois as well. So they're professional in that sense. Um, that they're not they're not just moonlighting and doing it kind of on the side. They're actually, you know, security professionals on top of being. Uh, you know, either law enforcement or military or medical professionals or some combo of those sometimes. So I hope that answered uh, your question and made you feel a little bit better. Like I said, uh, you know, security is always open to questions. Um, our director of security, uh, his email is steve at animemagic.org. So if you ever have any questions for him or, you know, you feel uncomfortable or you need, you know, help with something, feel free to send him an email and he will get back to you and help you out. On a lighter note, uh, one piece of feedback that we got from last year was um, the 5K fun run. And uh, just to emphasize, you do not have to run in this event. Because um, <laughs> a lot of folks during the road show did ask, um, you know, do you have to how, do you have to run? No, it's totally for fun. It's not timed at all. Um, and you can come in your cosplay. So that makes it even more fun. Um, but last year, uh, we tried to select a location that was as close as possible to the hotel so you didn't have to travel too far. And where we did end up landing was um, at a park that was about a 15-minute drive, I want to say. It was like 10 or 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Um, not too far, but we did not have um, transportation at the time, unfortunately, um, in our budget. So uh, attendees did have to find a way to um, get themselves there. And so this year... Uh, very happy to announce that we were able to get a trail um, that is much closer. It's actually going to be walking distance. So um, if you are interested in trying your um, trying this out this year, it's going to be a um, really close walk from the hotel. And um, you could still drive it if you want. Um, there but is still parking. Yeah. yeah, there is parking in the area. But it, it is also walking distance as well. So if you don't, if you prefer not to drive. Um, you can walk walk it. So you'll just get a little bit more. Get a nice little warm-up. <laughs> a few more steps. Yeah. I guess I'll go ahead and uh, uh, take the next one here. So this one fell under my purview for my department. Um, we had somebody who uh, gave us feedback that they were a little bit concerned about um, 
whether or not we could police um, time limits in the arcade. Mm. Now, to be clear, uh, we have an, a, a stand-up, like, traditional arcade cabinet arcade experience at the event, and then we also provide a video gaming room with consoles, PlayStations, Xboxes, and a, a few older uh, consoles. This is particularly about the arcade. We had a lot of rhythm games in there and a lot of uh, games where, where you could uh, interact with something beyond um, you know, like traditional like upright cabinet. And the thing is, is it's really, really hard to impose time limits or police those types of things because um, you kind of have to put your, yourself in the shoes of your fellow attendee. Everybody's paying um, you know, the, the cost of the badge, and one of the things you get is access to the arcade. Trying to police that stuff from our perspective and from the way that we're trying to do it is really hard. Unless somebody's, I mean, like, you know, just dominating playing 10, it, yeah. 10 games of, of DDR straight without taking a break, you know, yeah. that's a little excessive. But it's just it's one of those things that we certainly can relate to the frustration of somebody's playing the game that you want to play for a little bit longer than you would like for them to be. There's really no good or proper way for us to police that as it's something that they're they're paying for. Everybody has access to that, including you, frustrated person, if you're listening. Um, you know, but I, I, that's something I did want to touch on. Now, one of the ways that we're talking about remedying that for the second year is I can tell you this, for anybody that was year, here in year one, we are bringing almost literally double the amount of games that we had. Yep. So we're, we're really trying to expand that to make sure that there's um, plenty for you guys to play and um, you know hopefully less wait times. Uh, some of these are, are duplicate cabinets as well, so some of the more popular games we may have yes. more than one of, so that uh, hopefully this helps with the time, time limit issue. So fingers crossed. Hope you guys enjoy it. And last but not least, um, I'm going to address a whole bunch of recommendations that we received. <laughs> They're all kind of centered around one idea, um, and that is that we need to have more space, um, physical space as a convention, more rooms, more physical space in the hallways, you know, more panel rooms, more things to do in general. Um, so, John, why don't you kind of touch on that a little bit? This is kind of a tricky thing and a, and a funny thing because... There are certain things that sometimes people get frustrated about that we can put our, ourselves in their position and understand entirely why they're frustrated having done a lot of um, attending ourselves. But this issue in particular is, for us as convention operators, is kind of a good problem to have. Yeah. When we built the event um, for the first year, we were trying to realistically shoot for something um, inside of a specific number. Without being too specific, we we doubled that number yeah. in our first year, which is great for us. But what it means is that we're we're rapidly outgrowing the space yes. that we're in currently, and we are in the same location for 2020. Um, you know, but but we are we are absolutely looking to to move to a bigger environment so that everybody. So we hear you, we understand, and we agree entirely. It's just one of these things where. We just need a little bit more time. We, we do. need a little bit more time, we just, and we're going to open things up quite a bit. We need a little bit more time, and we just need you guys to keep supporting us in the way that you did in the first year. And, you know, we'll be able to grow much faster in that way. You know, we're, we're trying really hard. I'm actually, I, I can't give out any details yet, of course, but I'm actually personally working on, you know, even in year three, perhaps moving to a larger location. Um, but, you know, we just, time will tell, you know, we got to see how 2020 goes and all that, but I'm actively working on it. Yeah. That's so. amazing to me too, because as of the time of the recording of this episode, it's March 1st. It is. And, yeah. and you're already, you're already working on larger arrangements for 2021. I, we're not even there. And we're I even started, not even close yeah. to 2020. <laughs> I started working on it last year before we even hit 2020, yeah. you know, it's, it's a long process. And if, 
you know, I can't really get into that without this podcast being, you know, another three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, you know, so I'll save you the details there and just say that it's a very long process. It takes time. You know, it, it takes time to find the right location. It takes time to, you know, talk to these people and work things out and get the right space that you need. We're very careful about that because we want to provide you guys the best experience. And if we move, we want to not only provide you the best experience that we've been providing you at this convention, at our anime convention, but we want to continue to elevate it. That's kind of a, a staple of Anime Magic is every year, you know, we want to elevate, bring you new things, better things, bigger things. So in order to do that, we're very careful about how we approach these things. Yeah. Bringing you bigger and better means moving to somewhere bigger. Yes. And we're very aware of that, just so you all know. Absolutely. So with that said, stay tuned because we obviously are going to have a lot of big announcements coming up in a variety of ways. Come see us uh, at the upcoming road shows that we talked about. And until next time, we are Anime Magic! Anime Magic.